He's the man on everyone's lips at the moment. Michael Gove. Gove. Michael Gove. I'm uh, Michael Gove and I'm the uh, Secretary of State at the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Yes, the man himself. More from your still relatively new DEFRA Secretary in a moment. Plus, from a heatwave to Wednesday's downpour, how the weather is affecting this year's harvest. The other week up on Lincoln Heath, saw it was actually 27 and a half degrees, which was remarkable, really. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It's three weeks now since Michael Gove was appointed DEFRA Secretary. It's fair to say it was a surprise return for the former Education and Justice Secretary. At first there was a raising of eyebrows. Guy Smith of the NFU best summed it up. Hey, you know, Michael Gove, it used a, a, a quick intake of breath when we heard that. Since then, though, everyone we've spoken to on the programme have offered nothing but positive words about Mr Gove, including Guy Smith. I'm quite excited by working uh, with Michael Gove. Uh, I think you will know where he stands. I think you'll know where he agrees with us and where he doesn't, uh, and that always helps. Uh, I think he's high profile and I think that will give our industry a bit of profile, which again is good. Uh, And I think he will be listened to around the cabinet table, which is going to be really important. He's a very bright man. He's had a background, obviously, uh, as a, a Secretary of State within education. Um, he was had some bold policies within education, but there are many shared synergies, I think, with education, health, food, farming. And I think he provides that sort of vital link, if you like, between other government departments. So we're not just focusing on one. But yes, I think it's a good appointment, and we really look forward to working with him, to building a relationship. I met with him last night, had a very positive conversation. Yeah, we think Gove is a, is a smart appointment in DEFRA. He's a Brexiteer, obviously. He's a political heavyweight. Uh, He's got a good intellect. He's clearly uh, understanding the need to do uh, a a good deal. Guy Smith and Manette Batters of the NFU and George Dunn at the end there of the Tenant Farmers Association. Just some of those we've chatted with recently about Mr Gove's appointment. So having spoken about him over the last couple of weeks, it seems only right we hear from the man himself. I met him on a fruit farm near Newark on Friday night, the end of a rather hectic week with him being at the Norfolk Show, also up in Scotland as well. So he's been travelling the country. What's he been saying to farmers on his travels? Well, I've been listening more than saying. I want to get a proper understanding of what farmers want out of Brexit. We're going to leave the European Union in under two years' time, and that will see change, and I want to make sure that change works in the interests of British farmers. Now, you've, you've said, obviously, you were a lead campaign for, for leave. Do you fear there's going to be some difficult conversations to be had with farming when we do come out in two years' time? No, I think there are opportunities there. And I think, obviously, we've got to make sure that we get some big decisions right. But at the moment, the common agricultural policy doesn't provide people either with the, the non-bureaucratic way of getting the money out of the door that they deserve, nor does it really necessarily always reward the right thing. We've got a good settlement from the Treasury, which means that farmers can be guaranteed in cash the same amount right up until 2022 that they now enjoy. But we've also got a great opportunity to think about how we spend that money better and also a fantastic opportunity to ensure that British produce, which is world beating, can uh, enjoy access to new markets as well. You've given that guarantee, but obviously with a minority government, you're having to find money for other things, as we've seen this week with Northern Ireland. Is there a fear that uh, you know your department might see some of that money disappearing? It might not be there till 2022? I don't think so. One of the interesting things about the arrangement that uh, we entered into with the DUP is that agriculture was at the heart of it. Um, and it is the case that, as a party, they completely understand that support for the rural economy and for the environment is critical to Britain's success. And 
Of course, um, uh, over the course of the next few years, we will have an opportunity to ensure that money is spent more wisely. But it's a manifesto commitment. Uh, we take it incredibly seriously, and we want to make sure that we support the rural economy better than ever before. Uh, now, we're here on a fruit farm, of course. Um, Labour is needed from the EU particularly to help pick the fruit in the fields around us. How can you guarantee that will continue with what's happening with Brexit? Well, the Prime Minister said that the Migration Advisory Committee, the body that provides objective advice about what the economy needs when it comes to new workers, will shape government policy. So as we leave the European Union, we take back control of our borders. But that doesn't mean um, a full stop to migration. It means that we manage it in our interests. And it's clearly the case that having access to the right labour at the right time is an agriculture's interest. And I've already been talking to the Home Office in order to make sure that they get that message. On the farming programme, we've talked a lot about uh, glyphosate. It's a big issue. Yes. Uh, our listeners have been saying to us, you know, can you guarantee that you will listen to the science? Of course, last year in the campaign, you said it's not a time for experts. Will you listen <laughs> Will you listen to the science, is what they're saying, rather than the bigger lobby groups, you know, he who shouts loudest kind of thing? I'm always guided by the science. Uh, when I was um, uh, having a go at experts, it was economists who tend not to get their predictions right. Scientists do. So in everything I do in this job, I will be guided absolutely by the science. Final question from me. You made a, an impact as Education Secretary, impact at the Ministry of Justice. What would you like your impact to be as DEFRA Secretary? Um, I just want to make sure that um, eh, at the end of this Parliament, after you've left the European Union, the British farmers are uh, producing more, growing more and selling more, and that our environment is in a better state than, than we inherited. And if we can do those two things, if we can have a thriving rural economy and a greener Britain, then I think that would be success. DEFRA Secretary Michael Gove there, speaking to the farming programme. Good to hear from him. Now, you can't fail to have noticed the weather changed this week, but the heatwave earlier in June means Harvest 17 has begun weeks earlier in certain parts of the country. Growers, particularly on lighter land, have seen winter barley needing to be cut up to a month earlier than last year. The team at Fens Peas have been busy as well. This week, a year ago, they were around 5% through the crop. This year they're more than 30%. That's a sizeable increase. I caught up with Stephen Francis in a rather wet, muddy field on Friday. Uh, it's been very torturous and trying the last two days. We, in the belt where we are now, we've had over 50 millimetres of rain and a few miles further north from us, it's been 98 millimetres. So that's made travelling conditions pretty tricky, but what it has done, it's finally cooled the soil temperatures down. The soil temperatures, as well as overhead, were really driving the maturity of the crop. So the other week up on Lincoln Heath, the soil was actually 27.5 degrees, which was remarkable, really. Absolutely. I know you took the temperature inside one of the pods as well. Yeah, one of the pods, we were getting comments from the factory, which is fair enough, that the peas had been delivered at a very high temperature. So we took a pod, which you could nearly tie a knot in. It was that leathery. Put a temperature probe in it and it read 35 degrees, which, yeah, it's what it was and that's it. Staggering results. I mean, we did obviously have the heat wave. I know that helped with the crop in one way in that, you know, a year ago, as I mentioned, what, 5% was in, 30% in at the same time this year. That's right, it did. And I think one other thing... Well, there's two things, really. One, the soil never really cooled down in the winter, unlike the previous year. The soil temperatures were always strong. And the overhead temperatures, especially that second or third week of May when it became very warm, that just helped bring things on tremendously. And as you quite rightly say, this time last year we'd be 5% of the way through and we're now 30% of the way through, which just shows you how the... you know, the seasons change. How, how out of the ordinary is temperatures like this at the moment? 
Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, yes, they're out of the ordinary, but I would actually think that probably since 2007, we're not dealing with anything seasonal at all with weather. We're just dealing with weather events. 07, we had those terrible floods and the crop was 50%. We had a reasonable few years, but again, with some extreme temperatures. 2012, we had the flooding. Even last year, we had a week that peaked out at 32, 33, and I think... You know, managing these crops rather than thinking, oh, that's what the average was in 2016. We've actually, I don't know, we can't get more scientific about it, but deal with weather events rather than seasonal variations. You talked about the floods, obviously. One of the uh, the fields that you, you're working in uh, was underwater, seawater, uh, what, four years ago, and yet now they, they have a pea crop in there. They do. We, um, we did that one yesterday and... Basically, when the it did flood, as you say, in December 2013, but we've been watching the salinity of the soil and how the salt has gone away. And unlike when it was reclaimed from the sea originally, it had been under sea for hundreds of years. This was a short snap, bit of grass in the rotation, bit of sugar beet, test it, see what the health is like, and we had a very good crop of peas out of it. So quite encouraging that it's been actually turned back into agricultural production in what is what for just under four years so it's good news good news indeed that's uh, Stephen francis of fens peas well of course the uh, rain affected things quite badly in some areas flattening fields of barley At one minute it's a heat wave the next far too much rain sean sparling is our agronomist sean we uh, just can't win can we morning yes good morning sean it's once again friday morning on top of the worlds and uh, actually the pea vining gangs were on one of my fields this morning they're making a mess it looked like the Somme, but they are actually getting these peas out of the fields and uh, as the advert used to say in the 1970s uh, fresh is the moment when the pod went pop so uh, i like my peas so thank you to those now it has been an extraordinary week of weather it's fair to say we've had quite a bit this week and what a difference seven days makes 21st of june lincolnshire show 33 degrees unbroken skies beautiful summer's day 28th of june um, slightly different uh, completely covered clouds heavy skies 41 millimeters of rain and that's the most rain i've taken since i started keeping written records in may 2007 Um, prior to that i think i did take 56 mil one october but to take nearly two inches of rain in a day is extraordinary i know there were people less than 30 miles away from me who actually took 75 millimetres of rain and the net result is we've got some very very soggy wet fields some of these fields of barley which have gone flat and you don't have to look too far to find those around the county have gone from the root because the ground has turned like soup Um, and I have fields which are down Um, I've got fields which have had Trinexapac ethyl at T1, they've had Ethophon later on, and they've still gone down under that weight of water. And what it is, it's just every... When you've got good productive land, silty land, bodied land, you've got varieties which which were at their greenest and their heaviest when that rain hit, with which we've done such a good job of keeping the leaves nice and green with fungicides, the surface area for the water to land on was massive, and you get this domino effect, particularly when the field's facing the way the wind was coming from um and there are some flat fields around the county we've all got them there's not a lot you can do by worrying what i would say is that spring barley when it goes down it never really hits yield quite as badly as you may think it will not like wheat if wheat goes down you tend to lose yield quite significantly Um, but some of this spring barley it's still laid down as long as the stems haven't kinked and once the sunshine comes out and it dries up again 
that water will get off the leaves and they will start to pick themselves up again. Um, there's nothing you can do about it by worrying, so don't worry. You'll need some crop lifters, you'll need some patience at harvest, but you don't need to worry because there's nothing you'll achieve by doing that. Now, what I would like to talk about just briefly this morning, really, is the bugs, grubs and pests that are out there because there's a lot of talk about there's a lot of aphiding uh, activity out there and yes there is um, what I would say is this if you've got backward wheat up to grow stage 61 which is the onset of flowering and you can find 50% of tillers with colonies on them that is your threshold for treatment for grain aphids um, but direct feeding rarely causes an awful lot of yield loss so you need to be sure you've got enough aphids in these wheat fields before you go spraying them the odd ear infested is not justification to go because what you have to understand is if you have aphids in a field and let's face it most of the wheat now is well beyond that stage we're heading to the point of cheesy ripe they're going to be harvested in probably five or six weeks time and once they get to that cheesy ripe the aphids can't get their mouth parts in so the risk is passed so once you get beyond growth stage 61 it's two-thirds of ears affected. I haven't seen that for 25 years. And if you go putting an insecticide on, remember you can no longer use perimicarbin cereals, you're stuck with pyrethroids, so the lambdas and the taufluvalinates and all of those materials, which all affect the predators. These fields of wheat are full of ladybirds, lacewings, parasitic wasps. They've got spiders in them, cobble dogs with. All of these things are controlling the aphid population. If you put a pyrethroid on when it doesn't need to be on because you haven't got threshold of aphid, you'll wipe out the predator population, you'll probably knock the aphid population, and then in about 10 days time you'll get an explosion of aphids because there are no predators there to control them. So just like with every other crop, you need to make sure you're at threshold before you go spraying insecticide. Now peas and beans are slightly different. Black aphid threshold is if you get one plant in a crop of spring beans, one plant in 10, so 10% of plants with a colony, that's justification for spraying. Remember you can only go once with uh, perimicarb in your spring beans and your peas now so you're also relying on pyrethroid to help you aphox or perimicarb will not control brooked beetles so you will need to put a pyrethroid in for that so pick a pyrethroid which is safe to the beneficials because once again the peas and the beans they're full of bees and butterflies and moths and wasps and ladybirds parasitic wasps you've got lace wings it's absolutely full of them so you don't want to hit that po predator population too hard so go in there with something slightly kinder and only go if you have to go make it the exception rather than the rule is all i would say to you now while we're on peas and beans obviously the the recent weather will increase the risk of chocolate spot downy mildew of uh, rust so pick a product which is capable of keeping them clean. Most crops have already had one fungicide. You'll need to follow that up now the weather has changed. If the weather's right for potato blight, it's right for downy mildew. There is that off-label approval for SL567A. It's very expensive, but it is. it does do its job. Pick your weapon wisely. And then finally, really, the spring wheat T2 is going on. If you're timing that with uh, as your fungicide for your T2 and the ear is coming out, pick something with, say, prothiconazole in it because that does help against ear disease complex. There's nothing chemically you can do for ergot. So you're in the lap of the gods if you've got grass weeds or if you've got that sort of season. You cannot control that 
with a fungicide and look at the cut-off dates for all of your fungicides in winter cereals. But also, just remember that with seed rape, don't just assume. Get out there, rip the middle pods open because some of these fields are bleached but the seeds aren't changing colour. Some of these fields are green and the seeds are changing colour. So get out there, look in the pods and do not just assume. Hopefully we won't get too many more of these big rainfall events in the next few weeks because I think the potential for a good harvest is quite big. So uh, let's all be positive. Let's not worry too much about a bit of flat and uh, let's move on and see what next week brings. We're all being positive this week. Good to hear. Uh, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. We're talking potatoes in a moment. We'll find out how the new season is getting along. First, our weekly update from Open Fields and it's Tom Miller this week. Morning. What's happening? Well, weather's a little bit cooler for starters, really. <laughs> you say that, uh, say the least. Compared to last week, so uh, a little bit fresher, and the crops really, some of them would uh, welcome the rain, to be honest. Um, it'll do them a world of good, especially some of the spring crops. Um, but really, then moving on to the markets, uh, prices have risen. Uh, predominantly on weather worries which could impinge upon global export crops and stocks. Hot dry weather in the US spring wheat areas is likely to have significant impact on production, while similar weather in the Canadian southern prairies has also attracted attention. European crops have not escaped with heat and western, central and eastern parts affected including France, Germany, Italy, the Baltic states and Ukraine, uh, whilst cool wet conditions in Russia have delayed harvest and cast doubts over quality prospects. Another potential issue which we've been looking at, um, albeit further down the road, is the drought in Australia, uh, which is already causing production prospects to be lowered. Uh, Given the above, it's not surprising that plenty of attention is really being focused on quality spreads and availability of the high-protein wheat, which some reports have demand for German wheat into the USA. Uh, It's anticipated that global wheat production will be lowered in the July USDA report with the EU, Ukraine and the US the most likely to be lowered, uh, with China, Australia and Canada also possibilities. Any major shortfalls in in any or a combination of the above will dictate sentiment going forward, uh, which is probably why the funds have covered their massive wheat and maize shorts uh, and moved to the sidelines. US markets were keeping a close eye on the Minneapolis market, uh, which is the high-protein quality contract, uh, which is now at three-year high, with the main concern over quality in tons that get harvested. Uh, millers and consumers who need very high-protein wheat are now fishing for alternatives, uh, and in reality there are very few. Uh, and as I mentioned to start off with, uh, that's probably where the rumours are of uh, the US looking for German quality wheat. Maize crops have also uh, attracted some attention in the US, uh, Europe and the Ukraine under the microscope. Talk of high pressure ridge in the longer dated US weather forecast during the pollination period has been flagged whilst heat in Europe and Ukraine, uh, potential irrigation restrictions in the former has seen forecasts lowered. However, this must be viewed really against the backdrop of a large South American crop vying for markets, which the US had to themselves for, had to themselves following last season Brazilian maize crop failure. Uh, really okay, uh, more locally, the UK wheat is twixt and between Import and export parity with quality, crop size, ethanol demand, the key unknown variables which will dictate which end the market will be competing at. Current cool wet weather will have helped some crops, especially the wheats, uh, both winter and spring beans. So have a quick look at prices. Uh, harvest, uh, this is wheat harvest is worth 136 to 139, uh, November 140 to 143. Uh, obviously a little while, while to go before we see where milling premiums settle for the new crop, but running at circa £12 over feed. Uh, barley, the old crop barley is pretty much done and dusted. Uh, some new crop has been harvested in the south on light land, um, some way to go. 
uh, to comment on quality really. Uh, however, the early cuts are often uh, not great representative of, of the crop to come. Harvest is worth 109 to 112, November 116 to 119. Now, with regards to the malting barley, uh, initial bit of excitement from last week with the warm temperatures or the week before the warm temperatures uh, bringing some continental bias to the market that has since cooled uh, and hence buying ideas have been reduced. French winter barley harvest is progressing well and continues to be ahead of expectations in terms of quality and yield. Uh, this combined with cooler temperatures seen across the UK and France over the last week has also eased concerns. There's still some way to go with the French crop and indeed we wait to see what the UK crop puts in the barn. Oilseed rate markets have generally been quiet during the month of June, uh, although a few macroeconomic curveballs have resulted in a small number of volatile days. Growers have started desiccating swath following a hot spell uh, and early harvest is expected. Tentatively, crop condition and yield potential look pretty good. Worldwide fundamental news has been limited to say the least. South American harvest is all in the bin. US crops are at the early stages of growth. Uh, rally in US wheat due to the dry weather is not affecting the soybean development, which is rated at 66% um, good excellent uh, as of the 25th of June compared to 72% last year. In Australia, dry weather could mean smaller oilseed area than last year, while Canada, while Canada canola plantings are forecast at 9% higher than 2016 due to the high prices of canola against other crops. Harvest rape is worth 295x uh, with a £10 carry through to November, so still showing it's worth holding it if you can. Uh, on to beans, old crop beans, they're finished. Um, markets are very thin, uh, difficulty finding homes for any balances that are left on farm. Prices have drifted. Um, crops look well, as I mentioned before. Uh, with the recent weather patterns being conducive for both the springs and the winter beans. Uh, but given the high temperatures a couple of weeks ago, the brooker beetle will have been active. So depending on uh, if the sprays were done at the correct times, we'll see uh, dictate the brooker levels come harvest. Um, those with old crop left can make 180 to 185x. New crop still thinly traded. Um, feed is worth 155 to 160x and for November. Um, depending on location and human consumption, premiums 15 to 20 pounds. Thank you. Tom Miller from Open Field. We've already heard how the weather has been affecting peas. What about potatoes? Colin Jackson can update us from PJP. How are things right now, Colin? Wet, I think is what you would say at the moment. Um, obviously an awful lot of rain at, uh, during the middle and end part of last week. Um, and so we're seeing... The remnants of that still, um, and, and harvest has been has been very much sort of held up as far as that goes. We had the heat wave, didn't we? I mean, it was really hot weather week week before. Then suddenly the rain. I guess that's had a, like you say, quite a quite a bad knock on effect. Yes, yes, it has. Um, it the really the rain only just came in time for an awful lot of things. Um, they were just starting to show signs of stress, um, and if the rain had waited another sort of week or ten days, it may well have been that uh, the potatoes or some of the early potatoes would have been past the point of no return. Um, as it is, it's come just at the right time. Um, yet to see, there might be a little bit of damage um, caused by the amount of rain that came. But in general terms, it's sort of just coming the right time. So it will now push the crops on and we're expecting to see some quite high yields now. Hmm. As I was gonna say, what are yields like? Well, at the moment, things haven't, aren't particularly high because of a relatively cold time in the spring and what have you. So uh, nothing's really pushing on. But we do think now that this rain has come, we'll see things improve. Um, yields at the moment are around sort of 10 tonne to the acre for, for you know, good early uh, first, uh, first season potatoes. Yeah. And what about the quality? 
quality has been very good. Um, again, you know, this rain might just affect things. We, you can see what's called secondary growth where they start to crack because they've slowed up the growing and then they're going again. Um, so we may well see some, some secondary growth uh, issues coming in. But in general terms, things have been very good. Uh, also, blight is something that there hasn't been any issues of uh, previously. Now with this damp weather coming in, that's something we've got to be very vigilant about uh, going forward. So although it has been particularly heavy rain, like you say, the rain has at least been welcome. Yes. Oh, yeah, very much, very much. Without that, we were just starting to, to I wouldn't say quite panic, but certainly people, particularly with no irrigation, um, were really in desperate need for it. And even people with irrigation were getting to the point where they were really struggling to keep up uh, you know, with the, with the water levels. And prices at the moment? Prices are maintaining quite well. Um, the, the bag prices are sort of ranging from about 220 up to about £280 a tonne, depending on variety uh, and what have you. Um, and it seems to have sort of stabilised at that level. Um, this coming week is going to be interesting because we're now going to find the, the larger suppliers coming in with, with chipping potatoes, this kind of thing. So there'll be quite a lot more availability this week. Um, having said that, the market needs those potatoes. So, um, you know, because the older potatoes are now really getting dried up and finished. So, so yeah, we're hopeful that the, um, the new season ones will come in and there'll be enough demand for them. Colin Jackson from PJP. Now, we have talked an awful lot about the weather, the awful weather of this week. June was hot, then cold and wet. Bit of everything. So uh, what's in store for the first full week of July? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, today's mostly dry. There is the possibility of a shower or two in places. Some late evening sunshine, though. 19 the high. The wind from the west-northwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Dry with clear skies overnight tonight. Temperatures down to around 9 Celsius. The wind from the west at 5 miles an hour. And then tomorrow, some sunshine, but again, the possibility of some showers. 19 the high once again. And that wind from the west-northwest between 10 and 15 miles an hour. Overnight starts with clear skies, but that cloud will increase. Temperatures around 10 Celsius to start Tuesday morning. The wind from the west-northwest at 5 miles an hour. And then Tuesday at the moment looks like being quite a wet day, some heavy rain to come in the afternoon. Highs of a cooler 17 Celsius, and that wind from the west at about 10 miles an hour. Tuesday into Wednesday, again staying cloudy, but it should be drier, 9 Celsius the low. The wind from the northwest, barely noticeable actually, about 5 miles an hour if that. And then Wednesday, looks like another wet day, a bit warmer though, 21 Celsius it looks like at the moment, barely any breeze. Uh, what there is is from the north at about 3 to 5 miles an hour. Then the latter end of the week, remaining unsettled, uh, possibility of a few more showers, but some sunshine mixed in there as well. Could be warmer, uh, early 20s, the temperatures during the day and overnight lows in the uh, mid-teens. The wind continuing from the west-southwest. So that's the forecast. Uh, next week, we're talking biopesticides and biological control on your farms. All will be explained on the programme next week. Until then, have a good week's farming.